Hello and welcome to this bonus episode of a podcast of spurious morality. Uh, I'm here with Tom. Hello. And we loved the new Ninth Doctor box set, Back to Earth, so much we decided we were going to do a bit. We did. Certainly did. We decided we were going to do a bit of a mini bonus episode where we just talk about how great it is, basically. Um, Yeah. We've sort of zeroed in on one story, uh, which is Station to Station, which is, I mean, it's kind of the Ninth Doctor Adventures new earth isn't it it's it's the first episode yeah yeah essentially it's it is like yeah i mean this is series two of like um a new era of ninth doctor and this is yeah it's a an introduction to what is so far anyway turning out to be an amazing series um it works kind of mission statement really it tells us that the uh, sort of high quality that was there for pretty much all the series one is just gonna continue and that um Eccleston at Big Finish is it's something special, isn't it? Yeah, I mean Series 1 had a lot of high bars, but this definitely feels like a step above and it feels it just feels like it sort of encapsulates everything that I want from Big Finish right now like this box set, it's just, I'm so impressed with it. Yeah, because it, it's all a bit different, it's all a bit Maybe not experimental, but it's not the kind of... I think there's definitely quite a fair bit of experimental, but it's it's fun, it's exciting, it's a little bit scary, it's engaging, and it's all fresh ideas. It's all... Yeah. There's no Daleks here or Ice Warriors, which, you know, they've they've got their place. You know, obviously, we, we can't... We, Doctor Who wouldn't be Doctor Who without the Daleks, but not having that here, just having three fresh sci-fi stories. You know, you've got a wide birth and which we're going to go into yeah it's just it's really impressive yeah agreed it was i mean it was great to just get it downloaded and i had the whole thing listened to within a couple of hours really i mean i've already re-listened to two of the stories which i never do pretty much like if i re-listen to something it's usually because it's been at least over a year so the fact that i've already wanted to go out and re-listen to you know half most of the box set again it's just for one it's good for money yeah (laughs) and yeah it's just oh it's just so good yeah so um station to station story number one which is kind of what we're zeroing in on here um robert valentine who yeah i think it's his best script i think it's the best one he's done yeah, definitely. I mean, he's done what's he, he's done Faustian from Master. He's done the Lovecraftian version, which I haven't heard, and he's done End of the Beginning. Is that? I uh, think he also did a Dalek Universe. Yeah, I think we've had quite a few from him. But I mean, I've I've really been impressed. I think my first script was his Master script, and I really enjoyed that. I love the uh, dynamic in that, uh, and I think his Dalek Universe one as well was pretty, yeah, really decent. Um, but yeah, this is definitely. His uh, best script. He's got a. Uh, he's got quite a good thing about dialogue. I find he's. He's very. Um, I guess witty might be the word. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've just. I've. I've had a cheeky little look up at his TARDIS wiki page, and he's actually written quite right. a bit more than I thought. Um, he did yeah. Shadow of the Sun, Fourth Doctor Adventures, which was the first one, 
um, they certainly released during lockdown. Yes, yes, because that was that was the that was one of the first or the first yeah, lockdown. Because it was they made well, a big thing about like it. Sort of, look, we can still do, we can still make big finish yes. happen during lockdown. Um, and yeah, he's yeah. Uh, he's done uh, Lovecraft Invasion and at the beginning, as we've said. Uh, lost. It was the Lost for Dalek Universe. Yes. Yeah, the Lost. Yeah. See, that was that an excellent was episode. That as well. was kind that of was the a, uh, probably a highlight of that. That series. was kind of the um, uh, spoilers. Uh, kind of the one after they lost Mark, and it all got a bit. Yeah. Uh, sort of inward yeah, looking, and sad. the whole thing about Anya and Sarah Kingdom came out, and it was quite a big episode. It was quite a pivotal episode. Yeah, yeah, and I thought it was. I thought it played off pretty well but uh, so yeah we uh yeah we like what robert valentine is doing but station to station is definitely i'd say his best one so far and it's good to see yeah i mean this is sorry that's made me say that i'm a fan of robert valentine like i've, I've always really been like very fond of his work because i think he's been one of the best like new and upcoming writers for big finish but yeah this is a i mean it definitely made me put like put into words why I think he's such a good uh, addition to the team. Yeah, absolutely. So long may we see Rob Valentine at Big Finish. Keep them coming. Yes. Yes. So um, sort of uh, give us your review then, Tom. Station to station. Uh, right. Well, I'm just going to go through from the top. Uh, Ninth Doctor. Um, it's still such a novelty. I don't know about you, but it's still such a novelty and such like a just a... Oh, it's Chris Frogston and he's playing the it, Night Doctor It's still again. slightly like, unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it, and and I think just hearing him in the TARDIS... Uh, and I think Chris Frogston, this is probably his best performance, I think, so far, from what I've heard anyway. I think he's so on the ball and there's so many interesting acting choices throughout this, which I'll go into a bit later in a sort of like... I wrote down a couple of really special quotes from the script, but yeah, he's just, he just really impressed me. He just felt like such a well-rounded and solid lead performance that he, he always gives, I mean, it's Chris Frexton, but yeah, I just felt like he he really distilled, because these audios, they are, they aren't Tea Time 2005. This isn't what Chris Frexton was doing really in 2005. There's, there's shades yeah. to it. But ultimately, this is what Chris Frogston would be doing if he had a series two, which for me is fine. I mean, I, I I'm all for that. I think do something for twenty twenty two. Don't try and recapture an era. I think Chris Frogston, uh feels that way as well. I mean, I know in Vortex, uh, Robert Valentine mentioned that Chris Frogston actually has like written like a guideline of what he thinks the Doctor should be. Um, which which is great, and he also like Chris Frogston mentions it a bit in the interview. Yeah, it, it, yeah, which is which I think is great because I think and I think that mission statement, the fact that it's coming from the lead as well, it shows that he cares a lot about the character, yeah. and it just also makes it really. Yeah, I think it's just it, it's giving the writers a a push that maybe they might not have gone for if it was just let's just say that this was Nav Doctor and Rose Adventures. I think it would, and I'm not saying I wouldn't love that because I would, but I do think that the fact that these sort of ideals have been imposed on these stories, I think it has given us a much more varied output than we maybe would have. And I think that's a really great thing, and it's great to see it coming 
from Chris Frogston, and it shows that he's thought a lot about the role. Yeah. Um, next, obviously, we are pseudo companion of the piece, uh, Saf. Uh, she was great. She, uh, see, that's the uh, I guess slightly annoying thing about it being uh, just the Ninth Doctor on his own, because there's so many characters, even in this box set, that could be amazing companions. Both uh, Saffron and the uh, the guest companion in the third story, they would both make amazing full time companions. Uh, and they're not, they're just, oh, they, they, they go back to their lives. But, yeah, I thought she played really great. Obviously, she's an LBGT uh, character. And I think it's a really well-written character. Uh, I felt, you know, very represented in this. I felt it was, yeah, I felt it, it was just a really great capturing and observation of that relationship, of that relationship to her parents, of... I felt like I really loved the relationship with um, Erin, I think it was called. Um, I thought that was excellent. It just felt very real and not the big finish. doesn't always hit the mark with it, but they occasionally don't hit the mark. Whereas this, it was right on a bullseye for representation, I, I felt. Uh, I really love Saffron in this. And she's just so funny. There's a, let's see if I wrote it down. Um, there was a really funny... <laughs> Uh, thing she said I think it was in the cake scene and she was like you can't eat someone's food or something like that that just made me like laugh out loud yeah. both times um so yeah and then obviously you've got the rest of the guest cast who they don't have a ton of focus and uh spotlight shone on them but they're still very effective in the roles and they're still more built up than you would expect or need them to be because it is only it's an only a 50 minute production so they do still build them up quite a lot considering the the, it's very uh, very efficient i think is the right word uh with how it handles its guest cast and it really makes in the payoff uh at the end of the climax it's still that still hits really hard because it's so efficient in the previous 40 minutes of building up that guest cast and making you like them uh, and finally, characters-wise, obviously we've got the Grimini crew played by uh, Ian Barb Moff- uh, yeah, him. <laughs> uh, otherwise, mainly known at the minute for Jeff of Corey. He was a, that was a big thing last year. It was quite nation-sweeping. And he's a, another villain here, and he's excellent. He is... I, I love villains that are very much, uh, I guess, over-the-top and theatrical, and... The Grimney Grew here is very theatrical. He, he's so... Uh, he's uh, rhyming and uh, is so silly, but it's so fun. And it works, and it works for the what this story is trying to do, where it's making him a bogeyman. And it's making him try to be like this representation of fears and anxieties, and also like a lack of identity. He's He's sort of like a parasite on the guest cast. And, yeah, he's sort of like a manifestation of their worries and fears. And, yeah, he's just played really yeah. excellent. And he's... I found him a bit scary, to he, be honest. Um, he reminded me of another particularly scary big Finnish villain, to an extent. Uh, it reminded me of the uh, Steamroller Man from Masquerade, which was sort of... Oh, right. um, it was a Fifth Doctor, Nyssa and Halibarth. Hannibal Follows. Well, it's funny because he actually reminded me of 
he reminded me of the villain from Access in, of Insanity, which is another fifth dot yeah, story. Yeah, it's that kind of... Yeah, because that's another very sort of Joker-esque, I guess, unique villain. Unique theatrical, uh, but quite horrific um, villain. I suppose mm-hmm. it's the, the sort of thing you might catch in uh, Jacob and Lightfoot as well, in one of the more sort of out there Jago and Lightfoot stories. But yeah, very, very sort of powerful villain. I agree with you. But yeah, uh, then as for the actual story, I'm just going to fire off some points that really stuck out to me that I really liked. Go ahead. Uh, I liked the sort of talk about names and what's in the name. Obviously, the we're going into spoilers. Yeah, uh, yeah that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, in the main climax, obviously, that's about the... It's a very cool scene between the Doctor and the villain trying to guess each other's name, and you've got references to Lungbarrow. And, uh, oh, that was so... It's so cool hearing Christopher Eccleston in that context, you know, in a... Like... Um, yeah, it's just... It's sort of like a subtle thing, but I think it really works, and it it's a little thing that goes a long way. But the whole thing about names, it sort of feels like it's about sense of identity again, which is all throughout this play, and it's about finding identity, which I found really beautiful. Um... It is quite melancholic at points. It's sort of like quite a... It can be quite sombre at times. Obviously, it's talking about people who feel like they've wasted their life, wasted their opportunity, wasted their chance. And especially the setting of a uh, a train station. Which, by the way, I love the idea of a sort of mix-matched Avira's train station. That's such a lovely image uh, that works, at least worked for me so well. It just... it It was the right setting for this sort of very whimsical, twisted, fairy tale-esque I think sort of it's, thing. Um, I was... It's another strength of Robert Valentine, actually. Very mm. good at creating very um, visual settings. Yeah, definitely. Like, especially like going back to, to The Lost that we mentioned. That is a very visceral setting, that wasteland planet, which again, that's also quite a melancholic thing. So I think that's what Robert Valentine's really good at. He's quite good at zoning in on that I guess, element, really, of placing some characters in a very sombre setting and seeing how they react to each other, to the events around them. Uh, I think the Knife Doctor, I've already brought him up, but as a character, he's really great in this. He's he's bringing people together. He's he's acting as sort of like... Like, when I was listening to it, I thought, if I was ever in trouble, I'd want the Knife Doctor to come save me, you know? Yeah. He's such, like... I guess a reassuring figure, and he's also honest. Like, like the "I'm scared" bit on the psychic paper, uh, psychic paper, uh, rather. It's like, and he just admits it. Yeah, I am scared, and I just think that's really excellent. Um, and yeah, just I just found him really inspiring as well. Like, uh, there's a couple of speeches about family and about speech. I mean, I I think I'm paraphrasing it a touch, but the. Uh, your family's not always the one you were born with. If it is, then that's fantastic. That's great. But it's not always like that, and that's okay. That was just, ah, oh, that, that hit me in the feels, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just... Hearing the Knife Doctor be like that and be it, so, I guess, uh, I don't know, just so comforting in that regard. It, it really, yeah, it, it was... It really moved me quite a lot. Uh, same with the thing about, you said something about hope, it's not about losing hope, it's about never forgetting that hope's always there. 
And I think that's just, it links back into Chris Frogston's mission statement for the Ninth Doctor. And I think that's what he wants him to do. He, he wants him to be a force for good and positivity. And and in this story, he really is just such an energetic force for good. And yeah, he's excellent, properly excellent. Fantastic, um, even. He is fantastic. He's fantastic. <laughs> Um, and I think, let me just uh, have a look along my notes, but I think that's pretty much everything I wanted to cover. But yeah, it just, it's not perfect, you know, which story is perfect, but it is really good. And it, I don't know, it just, it just really hit me on a personal level and it had an energy that I want to see throughout the rest of the series. And I feel like Old Lang Syne did capture this energy quite a bit. I think that's a bit of a less polished story to this one. But it, both, both of those as a pair are just such an awesome, awesome mission statement for what the Night of Doctor can be. This lonely traveller going around inspiring, which, again, even though the characterization's different, that does link in to series one, you know. The Night of Doctor there never usually saves the day. He's usually inspiring uh like Gwyneth and Linda and you know Francis one and here he's doing the same he's inspiring and he's yeah he's fantastic yeah definitely um and long may Eccleston at Big Finish continue yes we've got nine more stories coming up over the next year and I am so excited it's one of my most anticipated ranges now I think yeah I'd agree it's you know, we we all started off with that, oh my God, it's Eccleston doing Big Finish. And to an extent, that hasn't worn off yet. But at the same time, the quality of the releases of what we're getting is so good that um, even when that, oh my goodness, it's Eccleston thing kind of wears off, we've still got that excitement because of how good the material is. And it is so good to know that Eccleston is sort of uh, driving the way the character develops and really on screen because he only got the one series and because that series had so much to do nine didn't get to develop as much as other doctors have done um yeah and it's good to see that that's sort of finally able to happen but it's kind of more than that because it's we're seeing how nine develops into the character we meet in rose this is all set before that um, well it's it's not it's not just uh, it's not really like a character development necessarily but it's like a I guess it's a it's sort of like a, a meta development in the character it's yeah sort of yeah it's like an update to the character in a sense yeah it's building on as opposed to developing I suppose but yeah it's it's absolutely great to just hear it happening and it's great to be able to enjoy these releases um, we're going to do a proper Eccleston episode on this podcast sometime soon. Uh, but yeah, we loved this so much, we just kind of had to jump straight in. Yeah, as, as you can tell by my uh, about 10 minute monologue, I, I really, really enjoyed this release. Um, so yeah, keep them coming, yeah. Big Finish, because we're going to keep listening and we're going to keep enjoying um, well, thank you very much for that, Tom. Um, it was ah, sort of, it was great to hear 
uh, sort of your thoughts on the story and your enthusiasm for it. And I know that a lot of people have received it the same way. So, uh, yeah, that has been great. Thank you. Um, Thank we you. will leave it there. We have got episodes coming up where we discuss uh, non-Doctor Who Big Finish. Uh, and we're going to look at the War Doctor Battlegrounds. Uh, but yeah, thank you very much, Tom. Um, I will. I look forward to recording with you again sometime soon. And thank you to everybody who listened. Goodbye now. Goodbye.